0: Hello and welcome to episode 35 of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. This podcast shares people's incredible stories of recovery after adopting a low-fat, whole food, plant-based diet. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this week I was lucky enough to interview the Texas fruitarian, Rebecca Rosenberg. Her story is incredible. She had Hashimoto's disease as well as multiple sclerosis. You need to listen to her story because she was also vegan prior to receiving these diagnoses. So if you think going vegan alone is enough to heal and recover from chronic disease, unfortunately, it just isn't the case. So check out Rebecca's interview because her story is yeah, it was so inspiring for me as someone living with multiple sclerosis. I just think, wow, you know, there's so much you can do with foods, whole plant foods. So, yeah, check her out. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on the show. Hello, Rebecca, and thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You are one of the very first people that I thought of when I thought of writing a book and then a podcast I was like Rebecca's story is so I don't know I I guess because it's it had so it's so complex and you had such a great before and after and I found it so inspiring and I was following you myself so I was like Rebecca has to be on the show because her story is so good well thank you so much thank you for having me no you're welcome so I guess for those who I've given you a little bit of an introduction but I would love for you just to start at the start and tell us your story.
1: Sure, I'd love to. Well, I went vegetarian originally um, in 2003, and then in 2009, I read the book called Skinny Bitch, and I went vegan for the animals. And about uh, five and a half years later, fast forward, um, I was uh, I was actually not doing so well. My health was failing, but uh, I don't I don't attribute that to going vegetarian and then vegan. My diet was horrible before any of that ever happened, and I was getting sicker and sicker. And so my natural gravitation towards the plant based lifestyle was um, not only a, an attempt to heal myself, but it was also as I became more educated about the animals and and it was it was I was very drawn to it and. Um, Come to find out, I believe that I actually slowed down my, my progress of, of um, I think I actually slowed down my, my progress of, of the diseases just becoming worse and worse and worse uh, by going vegetarian and then vegan, but um, it didn't do anything to reverse my, my diseases. And what happened was I, I had been suffering um, all my life from, I was always an overweight child. And I had been always depressed, uh, anxious, uh, uh, panic attacks, uh, acid reflux, um, hypoglycemia. I was diagnosed in the sixth grade with uh, prediabetes and I'm uh, and, uh, um, trying to remember all of the list of ailments. I got diagnosed in my very early 20s with Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. And I had been medicated for um, about, I wanna say, 10 years um, with two different medications for that. And then, um, come to find out, um, when I became, when I would turn 30 years old, I ended up in the hospital uh, with multiple sclerosis. And I had lost the ability to use my left side from the neck down. And come to find out on an MRI, I had multiple lesions in my brain because multiple sclerosis actually means multiple scars. And so you can actually see the scars in my brain. And um, I was actually told that my my dietary path had actually slowed down the progression of that disease, but um, that I I needed to pretty much get my act together now. And um, the doctors really didn't connect diet to the disease. But I did a lot of research um, because I was, not ex- I, w- I was not okay with being given an incurable diagnosis and being told that I may end up in a wheelchair in 10 years and that I may, may or may not recover the function of my left side. And um, it was just like disease after disease in my life. And I, I, I think at that time I was over 200 pounds. I was miserable. And I, 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 my quality of life was just... was pretty much non-existent. It was it was not fun. And I decided after doing some research and having been in the vegan community for five and a half years at that point, that I wanted to try going raw and fruit-based with my diet to see if that helped alleviate my symptoms and, and maybe help uh, trigger some healing. And so it was about a month after I ended up in the hospital uh, for MS that I ended up beginning the raw vegan fruitarian diet and I also on the same day began my injections my self injections at home for the multiple sclerosis because I was I was not trusting the lifestyle at that point I i I mean, this is all just like I've heard anecdotally that it can help some people. Um, I didn't, and I honestly didn't quite believe it, but I had decided that I was going to do everything in my power, and, and if this was part of what I had in my power and control, I was going to do this too.
0: Which I think's a great, a great place to, to mention that, like, I, I very much, and like the person, people who I followed initially when I was diagnosed, also very much support that you know, if you can. Don't put all your eggs in – put your eggs in a few places <laughs> until one of them starts – you know, the diet starts working. And then, you know, if you want, you can make changes. But, you know, there's no reason not to take the injections and the medication as well as changing your diet at the same time. I think that that's a good place if you're at the very beginning and you're, and you're frightened. Don't think you have to abandon Western medicine altogether. Just incorporate the two. And once you start feeling better, then maybe you can – wean off the medication, but don't have to do it all at once.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, I mean, always go with what you're, um, go, work, with, with, work with your physician. Um, I, always, I always like to recommend that to people. Um, in, in my case, in, for multiple sclerosis, the medications that they gave me, uh, uh, well, first of all, myself injecting gun was, um, it went in too deep. And so it was it was going into my muscle tissue instead of my adipose, the fatty tissue. Um the, the injections were going entirely too deep, way deeper than they should have been going. So it was excruciating. The, the pain was excruciating for me. And I was having to self-inject every other day. And it was about three months in of suffering through this and having just horrible pain, searing pain after each injection that I, I didn't actually realize that my auto jet gun was faulty. And, um, but I also read the paper, I read the medication and what the medication actually said, the, the insert for it was that it's, it doesn't manage symptoms. It might, and I underlined the word might reduce the possibility of having a future MS episode in the long-term future by only about a third. So the cost of, of uh, and and also it was ex- an extremely expensive medication, and so the cost of having to go through that every other day and and suffer like that, and uh, just for like a possibility of a third per, uh, percent of a, of a reduction in the long term future of episodes, that wasn't good enough for me. And so after I actually educated myself about the drug and and the the side effects and the long term symptoms or the, the long term side effects and the, and the symptoms from it. I ended up quitting that medication in under, I think it was almost four months when I, I decided to quit the medication and go full speed ahead with my raw vegan fruitarian diet. The, the issue with the, with the diet, and I believe why a part of why it helps, is keeping the fat intake low. It, it's There are actually studies about this. Uh, I believe it's uh, Dr. Roy Swank. Uh, studied, and and this is all things I found out after the fact <laughs> after, after this blind leap of faith with this diet. Um, that keeping the fat intake low uh, is actually
0: it's it's under like twenty percent, I think it was what he said, under twenty percent if you're a daily.
1: I think I think that what I've seen is about under forty grams yeah, a day. yeah. But grams. I actually keep my
0: fat intake about ten to fifteen grams.
1: Yeah. And I feel I feel my best at that level, mm. but I don't restrict calories, so I eat I eat to my heart's desire. But um, keeping that fat intake low and avoiding salt have have been really key in my in my recovery. I ended up not only regaining the function of my left side, but I regained um, a lot of my thought connections because those had been affected by the brain damage as well. Um, I just I just can't say enough wonderful things about eating a clean diet, whether that be cooked or raw, uh, and keeping the fat intake controlled. Um, I, I believe I believe it's um, it was really crucial in my healing and recovery. And it turns out that um, another unexpected side effect was that I ended up losing 80 pounds, and that was just by uh, cleaning up my, the um, eliminating That was just from eliminating the vegan processed foods that I had be, been eating. I had been eating uh, like about half raw foods before and then um, vegan processed yummy foods uh, with the high fat and the salt um, for the other part of the day. And I think eliminating those really helped my healing. Over the first year and a half of going raw vegan fruitarian, I ended up having being forced to reduce my Hashimoto's hyperthyroidism medications. I became gradually over-medicated with those. And um, with blood tests and symptoms, uh, I ended up having to reduce, reduce, reduce gradually my medications to where the point where I couldn't even tolerate a tiny piece of, of my pills. And so I ended up having to get off those medications, which that completely shocked me because. They tell you that, and, and I had been taking them for over a decade by then, uh, that if you have been taking them for a couple of years, you're not supposed to be able to get off these medications ever because your thyroid becomes dependent upon them. And I, I, my body just forced itself uh, to say no more medications. And um, I've been medication-free for over two years now. Yay! And that, and thank you. And that was just completely unexpected. I didn't honestly believe that this diet would do all of these things that it did, and um, it it continues to shock me even today that uh, keeping a a low-fat, raw, vegan, fruitarian diet has, has given me my life back and I think vegan was a great way to start for me. And um, and had I done it responsibly with a whole foods plant based diet, unprocessed, perhaps it would have helped reverse all my stuff before it got way out of control. But um, I I won't know that I because I I can't go back in time and fix my choices. But I did, I, I did end up getting it right eventually. And now I've got my life back. And it's it's so amazing, and I, I can't recommend it enough to, to people, for people to take control over their lives with their diet.
0: Uh, I, lo- I love hearing these stories. I want to just go back. The dog's making a bed in the background, sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I want to just go back because people who don't know Hashimoto's, can you describe how Hashimoto's, how it was affecting your life, like what, what the symptoms were, what it was doing to your life?
1: I was a total zombie. Um, I, if I didn't take my medications, I couldn't think. I couldn't function. I had extreme brain fog. And it didn't matter how much I would sleep. I could never feel rested. And um, I couldn't lose weight. I felt like even eating um, a carrot, I would probably gain five pounds. <laughs> it, it was miserable. It was. It was um, I couldn't get out of bed some days. And, um, it was just like, there were bricks attached to every limb of my body and just weighing me down. And, um, I, I, that was not living. I feel like it was, the quality of life was so low. There were many days when I really questioned whether or not I, it was even worth it to try.
0: Oh, it's so, it's so, it's so hard to uh, put yourself back in those positions when you're trying, like for me, trying to think about what my life was like before this way of eating. It's like a different life, but like, it's good to go back to people who are listening to say, you know, like Rebecca, like you can't see her, but she's like radiant and vibrant and alive and thriving. (laughs) You're welcome. And, you know, she was, as you said, you were over 200 pounds. You were living in a fog, a heaviness, a mental heaviness, not just a physical heaviness. You know, there would have been aches and pains, I imagine, and digestive problems. And... Okay, everything hurt. <laughs> everything was lethargic and in pain, and I
1: felt like I, w- I would often say to myself, I am too young to be feeling this old. Mm.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think I can probably speak for Rebecca in this as far as, you know, it just robbed robs us of our, those 20s when you, you know, you should be like thriving and having a great life and instead you're just miserable and in pain and suffering.
1: Oh, yeah. My 20s were awful. My 20s were, I felt like I was 100 years old. Except not really, because when I'm actually 100, I intend to be still thriving like I am right now
0: because yeah, of my diet. Me too. I'm so excited to be 100 and just be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not planning to retire for at least a century. Yeah, <laughs> right. People think I'm crazy when I say that. But honestly, I am so excited. Because when you're 100, you know, you can just say whatever you want and be awesome. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can say whatever you want all the time. But it just makes me laugh. You know how old people can just tend to just say whatever they want because they stopped giving them rats about anything. Maybe that's
1: why I don't have much of a filter right now because
0: I felt like I was 100 already. Yeah, you've already been there. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't. Oh, sorry, family. <laughs> a lot of people who are listening who may have not – the people who are listening here may have multiple sclerosis or know someone who has multiple sclerosis and they're listening and they're like, wow, that's really amazing. But they're in that terrified that like, I don't, I'm speaking um, for myself, but you know, when I was first diagnosed, I was, and I wasn't like you. It didn't take me a month because I wasn't vegan. I wasn't vegetarian. I'd never even thought about doing that. <laughs> like when I was diagnosed, I was like, I'm, egg, cheese, chocolate, junk food, non-vegan person. And so for me, it took four years, four years. I read about it at the first month about a plant-based diet. And I did it off and on, but my neurologist was like, there's no science to it. Just eat whatever you want. So I kept going back to eating whatever I wanted. And it wasn't until I went numb from the waist down that I was like, all right, <laughs> okay, I'm going to commit to this. But it took four years, and I think for people listening, you know, in that early days of diagnosis, it can feel lo- lonely. For me, it was really lonely because it's an invisible disease in a lot of people's life. They can't really s- – you're in hospital, so it's, I guess it's a bit more visible. But for me, you just like describing – that you can't feel stuff, but you can still move stuff. It was hard to explain to people. It was very lonely. And I felt very frightened about meeting a partner or having kids or getting a career or how I would fund my life. If I was in a wheelchair, it's just really isolating. there's just so many terrifying thoughts. And I think that happens with most chronic diseases, but for you, just, I would like to hear like your thoughts at that time and, and, Kind of what inspired you to get not inspired because I know that the disease inspired you, but I mean, how did you when you're in that place of despair and fear and hopelessness? What do you think helped move you forward?
1: Well, um, when I when I first was going through the emotional acceptance phase, and I, well, first it was complete denial. I, I totally did the stages of grief, where I was in denial and I was super angry. I I was. It was just a uh, fuming anger. I was angry at the world. I was angry at myself. I was angry at everyone who gave me bad information about diet forever. And um, I ended up having to struggle a lot with finding my reason to try and my reason to, to continue forward and continue fighting it and, and digging for answers. And um, I, I ended up actually having a few moments of personal um realizations of i didn't i wasn't done i I had a purpose and i wasn't done and in in to be specific i there were there were some conversations with some very specific people that i hadn't been able to have yet and when i had felt that my life was pretty much over i um i realized that i still wanted to have those conversations and i wouldn't be able to until i got myself healthy and so i ended up really um continuing forward because of just, a, I, I guess, because of love of a few people.
0: And I think that everyone's why is different, you know, everyone's oh, yeah, yeah. why is different. Um, but yeah, having some good conversations to have. Maybe, maybe you should just, everyone should just keep a few conversations <laughs> just for future motivation, you know, like, Oh, I haven't had that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Um,
1: One of them in particular was an apology. I wanted to apologize for some things that had happened in the past and um, I I felt like I needed to make that right and So it was like I my purpose wasn't done yet Like I couldn't really die happy because I felt like I had unfinished business so um, I was I was just very motivated to make some things right in my life and uh, I also part of me was feeling like I didn't deserve it. The other part was feeling like I did deserve it. And I think I really had to find some self-love in that process to find why I deserved to heal. And uh, that was, that was a lot of emotional growth as well.
0: Yeah. It's such a strange healing is such a, every single guest, especially well, all of them talk about that. It's, you can't really give it a, prescri- a prescription for healing because everyone's healing journey is, is a complicated, you know, like obviously clean whole foods is like a massive piece, but I mean, there's so much. Well, they don't, they don't ever prepare you for the emotional detox yeah. and the emotional healing. That's a huge part of it. It's massive. And I'm still doing that now. Yeah. And I
1: mean, when, when you're raw and you're low fat and you don't eat salt you have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to hide in your food. And uh, one of the ways that I would um, self-medicate in the past would be alcohol and um, overeating and especially indulging on high-fat and salt foods in order to physically like weigh down my system so that my emotions wouldn't be able to process. I wouldn't be able to feel my emotions anymore. I'd numb myself all the way down and, and turn off. And I had to make peace with actually feeling myself feeling me feeling my raw emotions and and being okay with that and learning how to cope with those in a healthy way instead of relying upon uh, chemicals or food or whatever it was to kind of hide from it
0: yes I think that what you've just said is so everyone who's listening I bet you're all going oh she's so right I do do that (laughs) Don't feel bad. Everyone does that. It's all of society. It's all yeah, of society.
1: I mean, it's a learned coping mechanism. And uh, I, think so, I, I think so many people do it. I think when faced with changing your diet, changing your lifestyle, I think the biggest fears that people don't consciously realize is that they have to face themselves. And that's, that can be very scary.
0: So oh, true, and I think that we start. You know, you see parents doing, starting that conditioning with their babies. You know, oh, you've got a bad sore knee. Here's a lolly. Here's some cake. Here's some chips. Yeah. Here's this thing to make you feel better. You know, your your, te- your your team lost. Yeah, your team lost the sports game. Have some. McDonald's, or whatever, to make you feel better, and like we start at babies and we keep doing it to ourselves as adults, where we medicate ourselves with high processed high salt high fat high sugar refined sugar foods to stop ourselves from feeling it's such a good point
1: and vegans can get and can do that too
0: absolutely. And-
1: That's one of the things I really had to learn coming from um, that vegan didn't automatically mean healthy. You can easily, and especially nowadays, it's so easy to be vegan because we have so many options. We have all these processed vegan milks and cheeses and junk food, uh, chips and and vegan meats and sausage and whatever. I mean, it's all just, but it's all just processed. And uh, I... You know, I always, I guess I rationalized to myself that it's okay. It's vegan sausage. It's healthy.
0: It doesn't hurt the animals. Right. Nobody
1: died. And I didn't, I guess I forgot to uh, put myself in that equation that, you know, um, just because it's not hurting the animals doesn't mean that it's, that it's loving myself. And um, I think, I think it was really important for me to also learn how to love myself because if I'm not loving myself and if I'm not healthy, there's not a lot I can do for the animals.
0: And I wanted to say there, because I don't think I've mentioned that in any episodes of this podcast so far, is that just because it's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. It's such a good point to highlight because I think a lot of people, and I think it's hard because they are gateway foods that bring so many people to this movement. And so I'm very torn because I'm like, if it gets a meat, cheese, burger man, barbecue guy into veganism for the animals and the planet, awesome. And maybe he, if you he were like, you only have Whole Foods, he would never come because it's just so far removed from his way, they're, they're his or her way of eating. But what I will say is, if that's what gets you here to veganism, f- fine. But really try and clean up your diet as fast as possible because those foods aren't health-promoting. They just aren't health-promoting. But if they get you over to vegan, awesome, because the animals are happy, but they're not good for your health. They're not health-promoting foods like fake meats, high-salt foods, high-refined sugar foods, high-fat processed foods. They just aren't health-promoting foods. But if they get you this, if they move you over awesome but quickly move further <laughs> It's okay I
1: call them transitional foods they are it's okay. it's okay to use transitional foods it's absolutely okay because you're you're like ripping off a band-aid here you're, you're taking away your entire life of conditioning and that conditioning runs super deep so it, you know take your time with it um, but just you know keep a conscious thought in there of you know this is all great for the animals. But I need to also be feeling my best so that I can do what I can to uh, on their behalf,
0: and I need to take care of myself too. I wanted to say I want you to go back to that first two months, three months—I don't know how long it was. I'm sure it maybe it was like a year. <laughs> but when you first made the switch, so you were eating all of the delicious processed vegan foods that were like, you know everyone that goes vegan eats and gravitates to the cheeses and the meats and the whatever. And then you've gone raw vegan. So fully raw fruitarian, you know, like, so that's, I think raw vegan can still have all those vegan cakes and vegan desserts. Many people go raw vegan and then they just increase the fat by 4 million. Oh, yeah. Raw vegan can be super
1: unhealthy, too. It can be
0: super unhealthy, (laughs) too. So fruitarian, low-fat fruitarian is... It's hardcore, which is one of the reasons why I wanted you on this show, because it is hardcore. And a lot of people listening might say that's too hardcore. But I want to talk about the that first month when it was, it would have been hardcore for you. So how was your emotions? Like, how did you keep pushing every day? Like how, how, how did you feel then?
1: Well, the first, I want to say about six weeks, I was really trying to figure it all out. And when I first went raw, I all, I wasn't a fruitarian overnight. I, um, uh, I actually began with a little bit of a higher fat uh, intake, and I didn't understand at that point because I hadn't been really logging my food on on a, a nutrition app where I could really tell exactly what I was taking in. In my mind, what, what I saw out on the counter of my food intake, I thought I was a low-fat raw vegan, but and, and fruit-based, being uh, implying mostly fruits, uh, taking in the majority of my calories from fruits. But um, because fats actually add up so quickly, I didn't realize that like a half cup of nuts or seeds would actually blow my fat intake way out of proportion, and I, I just I had no concept. So the first six weeks I was really trying to figure it out, and I, I ended up what I what I ended up doing in the beginning is like nothing the way of how I eat right now. It, it's just it's close, uh, but. It was it was a, a huge adjustment. Um, the I think on day three, I I recall vividly on day three that I was just not sure. I, I, I had um, I was really struggling. I had just taken a, a brutal injection. I was crying and I was like, "This is only day three, and I just feel like it's been 300 years." It's it was a huge struggle, and I. Uh, and my, my healing progress, especially with the um, disability recovery, was very slow. It was very gradual. I, I felt just slight increments of, of feeling better just so gradually every, every other day or so. And I just kept having to remind myself that I made a commitment that I was going to do everything in my power regardless of how uncomfortable it was for my body. And, uh, so whenever I would find a craving or find myself really struggling or questioning what I was doing, I would write, um, down, I, 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 I kind of made writing my therapy and I, I, would often share those posts, um, publicly on my social media page and, um, and explain my struggles and say, you know, this is really hard and I'm, I'm having these doubts and, but I, but I, my thoughts will eventually come back to this point of, I need to do this. I need to see this through and it's extremely uncomfortable. And I just have to focus on one, one foot in front of the other one meal at a time. And I kept having to, and, and I learned as I, as I went along and uh, I actually, I actually did make a, um, a YouTube video showing my first week and my meals that I had posted. And um, along the side of them, I would have little comments about my, my rookie mistakes that I had made. I think
0: I watched those. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I and I would say, oh my, you know, I would never do this now. But I had, I didn't understand at that point that this was not a good combination with this, or that I shouldn't have eaten this at this time of day, or that this actually isn't a raw food, even though some raw food vegans will often use this ingredient. But it's deceptive, and uh, because everybody's doing it. Uh, and it just kind of becomes acceptable, that um, but for in my case, I wanted to know what actually was raw and what was not raw. And so just using generic raw food recipes, uh, whether or not they were actually fully raw, to me, I ha- it was a learning process of learning, okay, um, filter out this, I need to substitute that, And um, and then actually learning the nutritional value of what I was eating. I mean, it's, it's just all such a learning process. I, I just have to say that that first six weeks was was probably the hardest. And after that, everything just became gradually easier. And um, I just haven't had to focus on the possibility of being able to walk again, the possibility of being able to fulfill um, my, my life purposes that I had already set out to do that I hadn't been able to do yet. I, I had to keep all those things in my sights and and break down and remind myself every single day and sometimes every single meal why I was doing what I was doing and why I didn't give myself an option to go backwards.
0: Yes, this is key guys. If you have no plans, no goals, no dreams, no hopes for the future, It's going to be hard. So sit down and put right down your wildest goals, your wildest possibilities that seem ridiculous now and really try and imagine that they're true, that this eating this way is going to make those dreams come true like Rebecca did, because sometimes each meal there's going to be no one there saying, you know, rooting for you and supporting you. You're going to be alone at 10 at night and wanting to get those chips, wanting to get those things, but keep saying You know, remembering why you're here, writing down, you know, why you're here, what you want to do, how you want to be for your kids, for your family, for your partner, how you want to feel in your body, like how you want to feel in summer, how you want to feel at the beach, how you want to feel exercising in your gym gear, how you want to feel traveling. You have to keep putting those images into your head. Every time you come up with temptation, because temptation's always going to be there, but you have to meet it and say, yeah, you're here, but I want to be able to use my arm like Rebecca. I want to be able to use my leg like Rebecca, you know, I want to be able to feel my vagina like me, because <laughs> I couldn't feel anything from the waist down, you know, like I want to, <laughs> too much information. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. But so it's the little things.
1: I mean, like, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to walk. I wanted to walk, um, unassisted and I, I refused to get a cane, even though they said I should probably get a cane and I even refused physical therapy and I went straight to the gym and I, I got a personal trainer and it was my personal trainer on one side and my boyfriend on the other holding me on either side. And, and it was just one foot in front of the other learning how to walk again. And I, I mean, as much as I struggled with the, the physical part and the mental part, um, the uh, I think the spiritual part was the hardest, deciding that I was worthy of healing and uh, and really allowing myself the tools that I needed in order to heal and I'm not only just to heal because I didn't even know whether or not it would work. I, I had no concept at that point. I had I, it was all a leap of faith. but what I had decided was that if I'm going to go out, if I'm going if not, I'm not going to survive this and if I do go down, I want to have gone down knowing that I did every single thing in my power that I could have done in order to avoid this. And I I guess I felt like I could make peace with that and say even if I'm going down, even if this doesn't work for whatever reason, I will have be I will be able to say that I tried everything. And in order to be able to say that, I couldn't cheat. <laughs> So, and, and part of it was a fear of, um, of losing more abilities. And the other part what driving me forward was, um, I guess the, the pride of to be able to say, you know, I did everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that a lot of people who come on the show were all a bit stubborn and determined <laughs> for better or for worse. I think it's a good trait to have sometimes to be like, you know, I don't want to, I don't accept incurable. I'm. I disagree. <laughs>
1: I disagree. I disagree. I'm. I'm not accepting incurable as an answer. I'm. That's nice, but I'm. You know, I'm determined to find the other way. I don't care that none of the experts or whatever can have figured it out. I'm going to figure it out because I don't accept this.
0: Absolutely. I. I th- I've mentioned before, but when my I went numb from the waist down. The doctor said, because I hadn't taken the injections to treatment because I was terrified of needles, and I was like, I'll would I'd, I'd try this diet first because I'm so frightened. I can't – it's not worth me living if I have to do that because I had a, a, a real phobia. But um, he said, you have to have these or you're going to get sicker and sicker until you die. And as he was saying it to me, I just remembered this, like, feeling of just rage and rebellion at him, like – telling me my future like a fortune teller and I was like how dare you (laughs) I am going to (laughs) you have no right to take my life from me don't take it from me (laughs) yeah I was so angry and I was just like damn you I am going to be so healthy you are never gonna see me again (laughs) and I I haven't been back and I've been healthy ever since (laughs) touch wood touch wood
1: my neurologist, when I came back, I think at my my six month um, follow up, he he was shocked because I had gotten like at that point I want to say like 95 percent of all of my mobility and and function and um, mental processes back, and he said, well, you know, I guess you've been doing the, the medications, the injections, and I was like, actually, I quit those like a few months ago. And he said, Oh, really? What have you been doing? And I said, Oh, well, I changed my diet. And I got I went raw. I was vegan before and I went raw and I'm now fruit based. And uh, it's it's I feel great. I feel energy and I've never felt this way before. And I've I've never had this joy in life. And and he like he's just watching me. I can just see him with his eyebrows up and his in his forehead going, What are you talking about? laughed me out of the office being like you're just I'm sorry it's just you know if I think he said if anything it was a coincidence or you know oh well, maybe you know you're just one of those people who's just never gonna have another episode again and I'm like well my MRI said otherwise yeah yeah (laughs) I had multiple issues going on in there so I I, I think it's really hard for the medical community to really accept this as an option, partly because of their training. They're trained to manage symptoms. They aren't actually trained to fix the problem. I mean, you think of any chronic disease, any chronic disease that, that people have, like even diabetes, like these doctors are, are trained to manage symptoms through medications. They're not actually trained to, uh, There's there's no cure. There's no pills for cures. I mean, there's... Uh, not for these incu- not for these incurable and chronic diseases. They don't. They don't. There's have- no pills for oh, prevention. prevention. <laughs> Either. Yeah. But uh, they the, the goal is not is to make repeat customers. It's it's you know you don't make money in the medical community with with healthy people, and you don't make them money money from them if they're dead. You make money when people are caught right in the middle with chronic disease. And this is, just, this is just a giant middle finger to the industry.
0: It's a really, I think a lot of people feel, feel very confronted by that statement because I know that most people who become doctors and health professionals, they, do, they, they, they go to those professions out of the goodness of their heart. They also want to make money, but I don't think anyone becomes a medical professional with the desire to keep people chronically unwell. I think, oh, it, I, I think it has an altruistic intent behind it except that the system is very very broken currently and it does tend to keep a lot of people in this plateau of chronic illness and unwellness
1: absolutely I I don't believe that, and it's at all
0: conscious on the part of these medical professionals. not
1: at all. That's just how it's they're trained. Yeah, that's no fault of their own. Yeah, Uh, but that's that's the way the. I mean, the textbooks. It's like you you apply this medication to this symptom.
0: It's very tricky because there's so many. You know, I don't claim to know really anything about it, but I mean, a lot of the doctors that I've spoken to, a lot of their training is coming directly from pharmaceutical the pharmaceutical industries, and so it's really difficult for them to get unbiased, clean information. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And the the pharmacy industry, they send reps to the doctor's office and they get um, incentives for prescribing certain medications in abundance. So if they meet a prescription quota, they get rewards. And so the the doctors are really encouraged to write scripts for for whoever is is giving them the, the biggest perks.
0: And i guess you know the d- drugs like Viox that people thought for years were really, really good at helping to manage symptoms of i can't remember what did it, what i think it's i what I will have to look up what Viox d- did but Viox ended up you know very very much harming loads of people before they realized it was harming them, and then they had a big recall, and then they it came out that this drug was just completely dangerous and terrible for people's health but there was years of people taking it before anyone realized that it was terrible for us and not, I think it killed lots of people. I can't remember for sure. So I will have to Google that, but it was a terrible drug. And that happens a lot of the time, you know, smoking was prescribed by doctors for pregnancy and for sore throats and for, you know, so many different things, you know, information changes and as awareness comes out about the implications of these drugs then things happen. But we're guinea pigs until they do find out that that drug is the one that's causing us harm.
1: Oh yeah. And even, even 10 years ago, you wouldn't hear very often doctors recommending a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. Nowadays though, it is becoming more and more prevalent where doctors are becoming educated in nutrition and and actual disease prevention. And uh, as these new studies are coming out and the, the plant-based physicians, in particular, uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and uh, NutritionFacts.org, and I mean, they're they're all get, getting the word out, and now it's becoming way more common for for doctors to prescribe, or not even prescribe, but uh, recommend a plant-based, a whole foods plant-based lifestyle to help manage diseases. Um, I see that more and more, and I I am so excited about that, seeing that. Um, happen more frequently and I, I just I, I imagine that in five to ten years it's just going to be common knowledge. Exactly. I can't, I can't wait. That, that a lot of that recommendation will begin to override their medical training of prescribe this for a symptom. I believe that perhaps the goodness in their hearts uh, the reasons that they became uh, physicians are in, in the health industry to help people. I believe that that desire will override them um in the long run the more information that comes out and the more normal it normalized it becomes yes
0: yes exactly i can't wait for that to happen i'm really excited still not happening at the moment as fast as i would like but it's happening way faster than i ever thought to be honest it's changed a lot in the last even six years
1: oh yeah i'll get friends um i I'll, I'll have not a lot of non-vegan friends and they'll they'll say i went to the doctor and they actually recommended that i quit dairy and they recommended that i stop eating uh, uh this kind of meat or that kind of meat and uh, i'm like that's great go with that doctor's orders and but they'll they're to tell me that because they're it's kind of like you know i've i've known them for a long time and it'll just kind of be that realization of maybe maybe all these things that rebecca's been saying for all these years maybe there's something to that maybe it's not all all Looney Tunes and, and vegan propaganda, maybe there, if there's an actual science to it. And I think that's really a beautiful moment, is when, especially when the people who, from my past who might have used to make fun or, or mock or ridicule, come around and ask for help. How do I transition to a plant-based lifestyle? And I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm so happy that you said that. And they'll ask, where did you hear about this? Oh, my friend or the physician or this nurse friend or something. somebody that they know that uh, maybe somebody with authority, and it's just it is spreading. It's just happening slowly, but it is much more prevalent now than it ever was.
0: So true. It's a very exciting time. I think it's a very exciting time. Just to go to backtrack because I'm I have a habit of going too fast forward and then needing to go back. When your arm and your leg, and once you transition to this, to how long did it take? Was it you said ninety nine percent? I think by six months for you to get your feeling back in your arm and your leg?
1: Well, um, I got the majority of my feeling and, and control back uh, about the six-month mark. Um, I took about another six months to really get the rest of it and to um, really hone in. Um, I want to say I want to strengthen that, not the, really the muscle, but the, the nerve connection from my brain to my muscles. It, I mean, it takes a long time for the brain and the, the nervous system to heal itself. And, uh, I, I ended up, um, feeling, I would, I, I wouldn't call them any relapses, but I would end up feeling the symptoms of the old damage sometimes, uh, more, way more often in the beginning, whenever I would get stressed out or if I didn't have enough sleep or if I ate too much, um, fat or salt before I really understood the impact that that was having on my, on my health. Um, if, if I had a, um, a perfect storm of all of those happening all at the same time I would end up feeling my old damage come back
0: yeah wow so if you had salt or fat or lack of sleep stress um if
1: I had too many things going on at work or um if I had stuff going on in my personal life or any any of that and then it happened happen for a prolonged period of time especially more than a couple days I would feel weakness on my left side and, um, a little bit of brain fog and things would kind of like the old stuff would remind me that it was still there, but it was still healing, but it was everything. Um, it it was just sort of a reminder of why I need to stay the course because, you know, you think, Oh, I've been doing this, you know, consistently for like six months and I've got most of my stuff back so maybe i can be lax with my diet and maybe go back to my comforts because i'm fixed now right i'm cured right but no um, that it's a it's an overall lifestyle shift and if i were to go back to doing all the stuff that i was doing before i would spe- i would just be setting myself up for for failure i would i would probably regress in my healing progress and perhaps set myself up for further damage in the future so it's it's kind of like a conditional cure. It's like, it, you you know, you're fine you're functional as long as you stay with the nurse.
0: And I think that that's so important. I, I know myself in that four years that I was yo-yoing, thinking, well, the, the neuro, uh, neurologist said there's no science to diet, so eat whatever you want. And I'd be like, well, he's the expert and I like to eat cheesecake, so sure. And then I would have – I was having about every six months a relapse. Like something would go numb in my face or in my body for those first four years. And each time I would eat eat better, I would miraculously start to heal and feel better. And then I would go to the neurologist and he'd say, don't worry about it. And I'd eat the junk food again and I'd get sick again. And so I said to my brother, I remember after – Probably where my legs went numb, I think, and I said, I think I need like an elastic band or a tattoo on my hand that says you're not effing better. (laughs) You know, like you have to keep, you can't just go back all the time. Like you can never stop. Unfortunately, that sounds so extreme, but I am healed. But I know just like you, if I went back to eating, you know, heaps of junk food, heaps of animal saturated fats, I know I would get sick Again, it's not, this just keeps it dormant.
1: <laughs> well, I, I'd like to believe that after a long enough period of time that we will get to a point where it's okay. Not that I would want to go back to my old habits at that point, but that the possibility would be so small that it would, you know, a few like high fat
0: meals here or there wouldn't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that.
1: I feel like it it doesn't have to be so strict, like in the very long term, but I'm talking like a a complete, consistent diet for like the first 10 years. Like, uh, because it takes about uh, seven to 10 years for the brain to regenerate uh, brain cells. I mean, it's not impossible, it just takes an extremely long time. And that's why healing brain damage is just the worst.
0: (laughs) I had a doctor on, he's good on the week before you, so before this episode came out, last week, go back, let's listen to Dr. Anthony Hadge and he was just talking, and it's so simple, but so, like, you know, often the simple things are just the things that you just, like, duh, like, of course. But, I mean, he just said, you know, we think of food poisoning as gastroenteritis, whatever it is, where, you, you know, you're vomiting and you've eaten, like, a raw piece of chicken and you've eaten some bad fish or something like that. And I know... Yeah. But, you yeah, you think of food poisoning like that. Actually, I gave myself food poisoning recently because I ate boiled potato, baked potatoes that I'd left in the left out for too long. Baked potato- In the steam, they had the steam in a container. You wouldn't think that a baked potato could give you food poisoning, but it actually can. You have to let them cool down before you seal them. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> terrible. But food poisoning is that kind of thing where a bacteria from a, bad piece of food but he said you know for conditions like chronic diseases you might not eat the food eat the food and then you know start vomiting immediately but it's a it's a food poisoning you know we are getting poisoned by food our bodies are unable to heal because we keep injuring them at every meal with the foods that we eat we keep poisoning them at every meal with the foods that we we choose
1: oh yeah and um I I am a big fan of uh, fasting too. Um, I actually did a couple of fasts in. Um, I think it was I uh, did my first fast about three months in to the raw diet, and I, my first fast was um, three days, and I, I just I water fasted the whole time, and um, it allowed me to rest and regenerate uh, my well it rested my digestive system, and then it helped me regenerate my immune system. That's the, those are the things it's really known for. And um, so I, I felt like, well, if it's it's helping me recover my immune system, perhaps it'll be really healing for my autoimmune diseases. And I, I always felt better. I noticed that I always felt better after um, a little water fast. And if, so one of my tricks going forward, if I ever had the exacerbation of um, the high stress, the lack of sleep, um, the just too many things going on, and if I ever felt my symptoms come back, uh, I would just immediately jump into a little water fast and it would alleviate those uh, symptoms within like 24 48 hours. And so that was my way of immediately dramatically reducing the inflammation, resting my system and and for, forcing that inflammation down in my brain. And it worked every time.
0: Yeah. I actually love water fasting as well and I I, th- I think it can be a bit it's a bit of a con- contentious um, thing with, with lots of people, but I, idea, a concept, but I mean, for me, I only, I think I watched you do a fair few of them as well before I, and I read about it and I was like, oh, and I didn't think I'd be able to make it. I've, done, I've only done three because I've been breastfeeding the whole time. So you are I to really do fast when you're breastfeeding, but I just was desperate. <laughs> so I did, he was older. I waited till he was like two and a half and not breastfeeding very much. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll just do three-day ones every now and again. But on the fourth day, I was so surprised that I didn't want to stop fasting because I felt so good. And yes, you start feeling amazing. I felt so good. I felt like a just lighter, less – I think the problem for me with fasting is that I don't sleep very well. I always feel wired, so wired, and I just can't go to sleep. That's the only – I'm wired awake, but I just – you feel weird that you're not – I don't feel like sleeping. Do you have that issue when you're fasting? Oh, yeah.
1: My body doesn't require as much sleep when I'm fasting. But when I am sleeping, I notice I sleep much deeper. So it's kind of like a trade-off. Like, I don't need as much sleep, but when I do sleep, it's way deeper. So um, I can probably, when I'm fasting, get away with, like, five to six hours a night and feel great and energized. True. True.
0: That's I'll have I'll have to fast again just so I can think about the if if the sleep's deeper. But I just know it's like three a.m. and I'm still like zip, zip 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 writing notes on my phone and doing all my work and emails and I'm just thinking, well, tomorrow morning at five fifteen when my son wakes up, I'll have had two hours sleep, <laughs> which isn't that great. Before I don't want to move on from fasting without saying first the reason why. Look it up first before you just dis- g- dismiss us as loony tunes. Because there are so <laughs> many benefits at the Loma Linda Clinic and the True North Clinics in in the states where I'm in Australia here. But a lot of them do. A lot of people now are doing a plant based diet alongside far- periods of fasting. Because when you're fasting, instead of all of your energy going to digestion, and because we tend to snack all day and eat all day. unless we're asleep we're eating pretty much and all the energy is going into processing the food but when you've got a chronic disease you want that energy and those resources to be going into healing those cells and to cleansing and cleaning and clearing those that inflammation and reducing inflammation and to focus on healing your body. So a, a three-day fast isn't going to kill you. Lots of people do it across all cultures. They've done it for thousands of years. It can be very good for you if you do it in a sensible, healthy way and yeah, with guidance is best. But, you know, a couple of days, a few days, it isn't an eating disorder. It's just about healing and, t- and loving yourself and taking care of yourself. And I have found that when I do it, I feel... It's a spiritual thing. I don't know if you find that. It's a spiritual thing. Oh,
1: yeah, it is. It, um, it, there's, it's basically he, like uh, rest and healing on all levels. You get really introspective and very aware of your thoughts and your feelings. and uh, It's like all of your senses are heightened. It's part of the survival mechanism of the body. Uh, all, all the energy is, is kind of shifted towards heightening your senses so that you can uh, then locate more food. And so it's, it's just a very cleansing and a, a time of awareness. And um, it's, it's like clean, pure energy. I mean, you're basically running on ketones without forcing fat into your body. You're, <laughs> it's the, a healthy version of a keto. Yeah. <laughs> as, opposed to, as opposed to eating a bunch of fat. I highly recommend finding a partner to watch you. Um, I usually ask my, my partner to supervise. Um, and I, I, you know, keep it, you know, somebody is always aware around me, uh, just as a safety precaution. And um, I, I, my first fast was was short. And um, I've always, I always recommend people to st- just to begin with a very short fast. And don't think about fasting all the time. You know, every couple of months, uh, a, a day or two, even three, uh, every couple of months is great. That's awesome. Um, my last fast was actually 14 days, but that was over six months ago.
0: Yeah, definitely don't start doing this every other day. <laughs> Once or twice a year, a few times a year. No, this isn't a daily thing. <laughs>
1: no, and and um, I, I would never recommend anybody starting out with a long fast. Um, I, I took mine day by day and I actually recorded it on YouTube. But I, I checked in every single day as far as like, how I was feeling my partner was always watching me my co-workers I went to work but I didn't drive I, I did not drive during my fast um, my partner drove me uh, but uh, my coworkers were aware that I was doing it and they always checked in on me I always had somebody around to make sure that I was okay and I always carried with me an emergency piece of fruit because if I ever had to break um, like if I just I, I couldn't take it anymore I wanted to be able to quickly end it and so I, I feel like I did a lot of um safety measures in place. But um, my personal recommendation is if you're planning to go longer than three days and you've never fasted before, go to a clinic, go to a a supervised um, clinic like true North. We have, we have true North here. And um,
0: so, but yeah, it's, it's a
1: beautiful thing if you can do it. um, And especially with a partner, that'd be great.
0: Yeah. Great. Great. a Great tip. So I know it's very late there. So I just wanted to not, go too late for you so but basically i would love to know if where should people start if they wanted to start today
1: with um going raw yeah okay um well i actually um i have a recommendation for transitioning to raw if it's not an emergency if you don't need to for medical reasons overnight i recommend a gradual transition For me, I personally felt more compelled to have to immediately go raw overnight uh, because I just, I I was scared. And it was, for me, it was more medically necessary. But if if you are not hard pressed to go raw, go ahead and take it gradual. Uh, Whatever you're already eating right now, whatever your diet is, uh, figure out what the worst offenders in your diet are right now today and pick like the top one and quit that tomorrow. And, um, then wait, a, wait a few days, um, maybe up to like two weeks and then quit the next one on the list and then quit the next one on the list and then take it down gradually. And, um, it's, it, if you can not rush it, don't rush it, but, um, take a, write down your goals, take a conscious step, um, make a plan and, and, um, and figure out where you want to be. Um, at, at a certain point and follow that that plan and if you need to take a little more time take a little more time if you can but um, it's it, Just to take your time with it because the worst part is feeling trapped like like feeling like it, it is a restricting diet and um, For me at the very beginning. I felt like it was restricted restrictive because I felt like I, I was bullied into it by my diseases And uh, that took a a while to kind of figure out that um, this was my choice. I had to keep reminding myself, this is my choice. I'm choosing to do this. And uh, to to every day, make it a conscious choice. Make it a conscious decision. And um, it gets a lot easier. It really, it gets so much easier after a while because it becomes your new routine. At first, it's really scary and it does feel kind of restricting. But then the longer you do it the more you realize all the possibilities that, that are actually there that you probably didn't even think about before the abundance of all these different types of fruits that I've never even tried until I went raw. I mean, it's just, it's, it's great. It, to me, I have a lifestyle of abundance and it, that's how I perceive it now. Um, but it takes a while to get to that point and it's okay to transition gradually with that. But to um, remember that um, that mindset of it's a lifestyle of abundance, not restriction, that it's always my choice and that I can take as much time as I need and um, give yourself permission to to have the journey to to experience the journey as as you see fit. Don't don't get so caught up in the word failure, because if if you have a slip, okay, just get right back on.
0: Mm. Get right back on. Yeah.
1: Acknowledge it. Um, don't get caught up in the tailspin of "I'll never be able to do this." Uh, get get right back in there and and make it happen.
0: What would be your three biggest tips for people who wanted to start out? Three this? biggest tips? Yeah.
1: Ooh, um, for for um,
0: going raw? Yeah, for going raw. You're 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 the raw expert, Rebecca. <laughs> let's let's go where you're the expert. Okay. Um, keep it simple. Uh, keep your meals
1: simple. Um, not every meal is going to be complicated and um, uh, with numerous ingredients and lots of prep. Sometimes people can get caught up in recipes. Don't worry about any of that. A meal can be as simple as slicing over a, open a watermelon and applying a spoon. That that's a meal. Uh, and I think I think keeping it simple is, is huge. Yeah, great, great tip. Not- not overthinking it, uh, a lot of people get caught up in having, in wanting to do it exactly perfect and exactly right, and the truth is you're gonna have to learn by doing in this lifestyle because there's just so many things to learn, um, don't, don't worry about being perfect right away, it's gonna happen, uh, the, the information will come to you as you make, as you have those experiences, as you learn gradually. Um, so don't, don't get ca- too caught up in, in trying to be perfect right away. Don't overthink it. And be patient with yourself. Be patient with the process. Um, don't Don't get caught up in the emotions too much of uh, feeling like a failure if you don't if, if you made a mistake and you ate something that you thought was raw and it isn't actually raw, don't sweat it. Just keep moving forward. keep moving on. Learn the lessons as you go. And, uh, and be patient with the with the
0: journey I think that is such a great one great tip and i i am saying that because for me I think a lot of people that I speak to they they do think I can't be perfect so I'm not gonna I'm not going to to try and 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 I definitely haven't always been perfect you know I've made lots and lot and I still like not my diet's pretty good great now but it's taken a long time like, like you said I had way too much fat I thought that I thought that nuts and nut butter and dates on nut, nut dates and nut butter was a great snack not realizing that the nut butter was adding an extra like so many calories of fat to my day each day there's so many things and I still have different things with cravings and stuff like that where you know you can fall it's easy to it's easy to make mistakes I just 95% of the time I'm perfect and it's amazing and sometimes it's five percent where I'm like oh you know I made a poor choice today or I did the wrong thing That that has been happening a long time and it gets less and less. Sometimes it's a hundred percent for months and months and months and months and months. And sometimes I eat too much fat again, like, like not crazy amounts of fat, but you know, sometimes I make mistakes and that's okay. And you just have to keep the focus on self, self love really, as you've said so much the focus on loving yourself should be the, the thing that carries you through, motivates you to keep going, not Their belief that, you know, you're a horrible, hideous person if you make a mistake.
1: Don't view them, I I guess, don't view them as mistakes. View them as learning experiences. And now you know better. And now you know that that when you do this, this happens. Or if I eat this with this, it's not going to feel good in my stomach. You will learn all these things as you go.
0: Grapes and nuts. Oh,
1: Yeah, they're, they're not mistakes. They're not failures. They're learning
0: experiences.
1: And now you've got that life life wisdom, and now you can use that to make better choices tomorrow.
0: Yes, yes. So, Rebecca, before we go, I want you to tell everyone where they can follow you on social media. Sure.
1: I am Texas Fruitarian on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can follow me on my personal page, Rebecca Rosenberg, on Facebook. But I mainly keep my Fruitarian raw vegan stuff on the Texas Fruitarian social media accounts. Um, so you, you can follow me on either one.
0: Excellent. So Texas Fruitarian. And I actually love your YouTube. What's the word? What's the cover cover image of the Tabac map of Texas with the fruit? I think it's really great. I love it.
1: Yeah, that is uh, my logo.
0: I like your logo. It's really good.
1: Thank you. And um, it's actually supposed to be a grapefruit. Yeah. A red grapefruit is actually the state fruit of Texas.
0: So fitting. Yeah, that was intentional. (laughs) Not an accident, not an accident. That is so good. I like it. Yes, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. And there's so, I know so many people with thyroid issues um, and Hashimoto's and. You know, more and more people are coming out with multiple sclerosis and and obviously chronic diseases. And I think that you're the second person that's been on the show. We had Jeanette Murray Wakelin um, on the show a while back with her. She's a raw fruitarian. So I think you're the second raw fruitarian on the show. And for me, if I got, you know, if anything happens, like I go raw in summer mostly and I go raw For parts of the like two meals a day, a lot of the time, because I just I do feel the best raw. So I mean, if you're whole foods and you're plant based and you're saying you know things still aren't good enough, like Andrew Taylor, who I think I mention every single episode. But, you know, he he went whole food plant-based and it wasn't enough for him. He had to go mono potatoes for 365 days, (laughs) you know, um, for him to heal his food addiction and for him to feel better and for him to have a better relationship with food and transform his health. So, I mean... If you're already whole food plant-based and you still feel like you're foggy in the head and you still feel like you're carrying weight or things aren't working for you, whole fr- fruitarian is just... It's such a vibrant, vital, beautiful way of eating. It's, you know, it's like Adam and Eve would have ate. It's beautiful. It's lovely and lush and gorgeous. Whole fruits and vegetables it tastes amazing and you feel amazing. Like I always my best. I only really don't eat this way as much in winter here because I'm so cold and I just can't get my heat to regulate. But I mean, Rebecca probably has some great tips on what to do when it's freezing, when you're a raw fruitarian. Got any tips for me for winter? I take a lot of hot baths. <laughs> <laughs> but I have
1: a portable heater.
0: That's a good idea. That's a really good idea.
1: A lot of hot focus on external heat.
0: Yeah, good idea. Good idea. But yeah,
1: we, I was gonna say we um we we sometimes say that you know we're eating like Eden, like eating like the Garden of Eden. Yeah. So yeah,
0: yeah, it is like the Garden of Eden. But I, I always
1: tell people, um, you know, I don't. I'm not one of those raw vegan fruitarians who believes that every single other person out in the world needs to be a raw vegan fruitarian. If a whole food, if a whole food plant based diet is absolutely working for you. Please um, enjoy that. But if for whatever reason what you're doing currently isn't working for you, then you might consider going raw and going more fruit based and keeping that fat and that salt intake very low and see if that helps you. Yes,
0: yes. I always yeah. You just you just have to do. I just keep going down the rabbit hole until you find the perfect thing for you. If it's more fasting, more juicing, more raw foods, you know, whatever it is.
1: I was also going to mention, um, I have a Facebook
0: group that
1: is called, it's called the Raw Vegan Fruit-Based Challenge and Support Group. That's the current name. (laughs) Uh, For for anybody, it used to be the 30-day Raw Vegan Challenge and Support Group, but um, so many people in our group ended up extending their 30 day challenges that we've just got people that are just ongoing. So we took eliminated the 30 days because I mean, we've, we've got people in there that are just past six months now and Yay. and they're still going.
0: And uh, so it, it's been very inspiring. This is a great place to start. If you're going to go raw, go into Rebecca's group, the raw vegan fruit based challenge and support group Facebook. Yes. on Facebook. And, um,
1: we, we recommend people who are just starting out to begin with one day to challenge themselves to one day and then maybe three days after that, and then maybe take a break and then try five days and then try 10 and just kind of build from there. And eventually, you know, go until you, you kind of work out all of your, um, your, um, rookie kinks or whatever, any, any issues that you may have or any questions, any Um, I I thought I was doing this right and then ended up not doing this and, you know, get all your struggles out of the way and then, you know, figure out, okay, this is what I
0: want to do. And now I can just start and and move on. People who are listening, what are some of the stumbling blocks that happen early on that just that that, that they can prepare for like eating out or eating at work or those types of things? Like what would be like three things that are like, Oh, this would happen. This is definitely common. Well, definitely
1: socializing, eating with other people, um, for, for work. I always bring, um, bring my own lunch and I bring way more than I think I'll need so that I'm always prepared if I need to stay late or if I need to, um, uh, share, (laughs) or there's always a lot of people who are curious and they want to, they want to pick and share, but, um, the the uh, keeping the mentality of abundance. If you always have more than you think you'll need, um, you just kind of surround yourself with it. You'll be more motivated to stick to what you brought, as opposed to veering off and and going with uh, some with somebody else brought or, or um, abandoning your lunch and going and eating out somewhere. I mean, always have that around you. So if you're if you're surrounded by it and and it's it's almost like it's calling to you. It's asking you to be to stay with the course.
0: Yes. Good idea. More than you need. I highly recommend. I have traveling snacks in my handbag. I have it like everywhere. I don't want to be caught out. Peer pressure can be a thing by
1: family members, especially who are concerned because they might think, oh, well, if you're not eating um, meats and cheeses and, and grains and breads. What, what are you eating? <laughs> you're, you must not be eating. And so you'll, you might get faced with a, a lot of conversations that you, that, you know, suddenly they're very concerned because all you're eating are fruits and vegetables. And, and you're kind of wondering, you know, I remember being a child and being like, eat your fruits and vegetables. And now that I'm eating my fruits and vegetables, it's a big problem. <laughs> It can be a little confusing with the social aspect, yes. especially from family members. So having, um, having your reasons why, um, not, being able, I, I think the, it's being able to communicate your reasons why you are doing what you are doing is important. And saying, you know, I realize you don't agree with this. But this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so this is my path. And being able to stand your ground in that moment and being prepared for those conversations.
0: Yes. I think that that is such a great point because I think a lot of people, I know myself included, family family members were the ha- some of the hardest people for me because they want you to eat like they eat and they want you to not suffer and miss out and la 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 la. But that point about being able to, it isn't just about having the inner, the inner some people can just, go forth in this way of eating and just have that inner knowing but a lot of people need to be able to articulate the why to the to their loved ones and i think sometimes i would be tired and sick and i would literally write it in my phone and read it before i like went to a place just so i could again be like okay if they ask me i'm gonna say this X Y and Z is why I'm doing this, and if you don't like it, that's okay, or understand it's okay. But these are the reasons why. Just so if you might think you might forget under pressure, because I find that I collapse under pressure sometimes. But I get people in my face asking me why. I can just get a bit like ah, oh, like a deer in headlights. Just like having them in your phone or in my hand, or or knowing about the why, if I've forgotten because I'm caught off guard and I'm just blundering my words. I think it can help to be able to really clearly articulate it and to have it with you written down if you need, (laughs) like your why, if you've forgotten.
1: Yeah. I mean, it takes practice
0: um, relating to other people
1: who are either terrified of what you're doing or um, they definitely have an opinion about what you should not be doing and, Um, it just, it takes a lot of practice and there's going to be a lot of different kinds of reactions. And just uh, like you said, having that preparation and, you know, it's just, um, you, you get used to having those conversations and being able to articulate yourself, expect there to be temptation, expect, especially emotional temptation, um, know that it's going to happen. You will have cravings, especially when emotions get heavy and hard life is always going to bring hard hardships to you. Um, it, just because you eat raw fruits and vegetables doesn't mean that you are immune to, to life being life. And it, it will get you down from time to time. But instead of running to the food, have a plan already in place, a strategy that as soon as you feel those temptations and those cravings for whatever your old comfort foods used to be, uh, have, a, have a thought to redirect you. Say, um, if I, if I just, I'm like, Oh, I really want some vegan macaroni and cheese. That used to be a huge comfort for me. Then, um, say, no, no, I'm going to redirect that thought, that thought and that focus. I'm going to focus on that watermelon. I know I have a watermelon and it's going to be an amazing watermelon. Just force that thought to redirect. And then coupled with that. What I, what I find helps me is to find a physical activity, whether that being uh, lifting weights or running or taking a walk or whatever it is, or do yoga stretches, do something physical to distract your body from that feeling and that craving. And uh, usually that, that's how it helps to dissipate that, that knee-jerk craving reaction of trying to fall into those old patterns.
0: Such a good idea. So, redirect your mind and your body is what you're saying. Redirect
1: the mind first, and then redirect the body. Have
0: a distraction and a, and a new
1: focus, and and get those get those old thoughts and those old uh, habits redirected to new ones, and choose them in advance.
0: Choose them in advance.
1: Have your plan, and 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 then follow through because because you know it's going
0: to happen. And that goes back again to the first one where she's like make sure you have more food than you need because you don't want to get that feeling that like oh my gosh I didn't get that promotion or I didn't get that thing or my boyfriend broke up with me and then be like and I've got no fruit in the house and I've only got a box of macaroni and cheese <laughs> but see, like
1: because I brought so much else I can just emotionally eat on tomatoes or apples and it's
0: fine <laughs> yeah exactly emotionally eat on apples it's much better <laughs> <laughs>
1: Exactly. And I mean, it's, it's just old habits and they, and they go away eventually. But
0: I just, I, has, I had no more questions, but I have one more question. So for anyone who's listening, who's like, but there's so much sugar in fruit. Aren't carbs bad for you? <laughs> Can oh, you yeah. just answer okay. that one last one? Oh. oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I always,
1: um, I try to, redirect anybody who has a concern about the the sugar content of of a high fruit diet to please go to nutritionfacts.org and look up all of the videos about fruit and insulin resistance and diabetes and you will find not only um, the the studies but the, the very broken down easy to follow explanations about why fruit sugar is not the same as processed sugar. And so if I'm if I'm eating just a bunch of fruit all day, I'm including the fiber and the hydration and the vitamins and the minerals. But if you're if we're talking about processed sugar, it's completely void of nutrition. It's just empty calories and there's no fiber. And so it digests completely differently. But uh nutritionfacts.org has the most amazing information for that. And also mastering diabetes. That's that's another resource for um, how sh- how fruit sugar is just completely different
0: Excellent, so if you're listening They're the answers, go to nutri- nutritionfacts.org And Mastering diabetes For your answers, but as Rebecca said So, perfectly they're just, it's, it's, they're just completely different Fruit sugars and refined sugars Act completely differently in our bodies So, don't be fearful She's thriving, there's so many Thriving fruitarians you can follow on Instagram Social media everywhere they're thriving and looking amazing, so don't be worried.
1: I cured my uh, type 2, my, or my, my prediabetes, my uh, hypoglycemia. I don't get hypoglycemia anymore, and I had had it since the sixth grade.
0: Yes. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See? <laughs> yes. So there's no Hashimoto's medication after 10 years on Hashimoto's medication. There's no multiple sclerosis. There's no hypoglycemia. No pre-diabetes. She's lost how many kilos now? Um, Eighty eight, eight pounds. pounds. I don't know how many that is in It's kilos. like 40, basically. Okay, there you
1: go. <laughs> it's heat. And uh, my anxiety, panic attacks, and depression are just gone. Yeah. I I've had them since I was a child, and um, I. I and I had been medicated off and on throughout my entire life. And I'm, I'm just, I feel great. I'm fine. It's, I feel normal for the first time in my entire life. I finally understand what that's like. It's,
0: it's so good to hear. I love hearing these stories. I love them so much. Every week it's like a explosion in my heart to hear people thriving because I know what it's like to be sick and to have stories like this And to hear them is just warms my heart so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really hope everyone enjoys your interview. I'm sure that they will. Um, And go follow Rebecca at Texas Fruitarian, all across social media and YouTube. And she has so many great stories and videos and tips and tricks and what she eats in a day videos and all kinds of things. They're great. So go follow her and Thank you so much again. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on the show. And thank you all for listening. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, I put out new episodes every Sunday slash Monday. And if you could take the time to leave a five-star rating and a kind review, it helps so much in spreading these messages of hope to more people who are looking for a podcast or looking for any answer that may help their chronic disease, your review and your rating really helps people to find this podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And thank you so much to everyone who has already left a review and left a five-star rating. It, 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 each Each one that I read fills my heart with happiness. Thank you so much. I really, really, truly appreciate it. And if you would like to follow this podcast on social media, you can follow it on Facebook at When Life Gives You Lemons Go Vegan, the Facebook page. I put updates, info, all that kind of stuff about new guests, the new episodes, everything there. So that's a one-stop shop. So if you head on over to Facebook, you can like that page there. And if you don't have an iPhone, you can listen to this podcast on Stitcher app for Android and you can also listen to it over at my website www.corinnija.com and that's in the podcast tab and it's c o r i n n e n i j j e r.com. Before I let you go, please go follow Rebecca on her social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, those things at the Texas Fruitarian. And her YouTube channel is The Texas Fruitarian as well, where she shares what she eats in a day, all of the recipes, meal ideas, her thoughts, musings, her weight loss journey, all that stuff over there. It's a place that I go whenever I think I need a bit of a boost or encouragement or inspiration, that kind of thing. It's a great page. Check her out. Next week's going to be my interview with myself about my my own MS story. So it's two weeks back-to-back of multiple sclerosis. If you have anyone in your family who has multiple sclerosis or Hashimoto's disease, or is wanting to lose weight but isn't isn't sure how this episode is great for them and I would love it if you share it on your social media with your family and friends because the more people who hear these messages, the more normal these messages become. You know, the more people start to go, oh, you know what? It isn't just one random person who heals himself and and recovers from chronic disease with a whole food plant-based diet. It's so many people and there'll be so many more to come on this show. So keep listening, subscribe. Thank you so much. Bye. See you next week.